Aerosmith tour van from the 1970s was recently found in a Massachusetts backyard. It's pretty beat up, but somehow it still works, said someone about Steven Tyler. I'm sure there was a picture of the longtime rock and roll frontman looking somewhat aged to go along with that joke. Uh, we do know one thing that will get you certainly banned on Twitter, so stay tuned for that. Excellent. I'll begin immediately crafting that because I'm tired of it. Um, actually, I really enjoy Twitter. It's it's You have to sort through a lot of crap, but there are a lot of interesting ideas and links. And, and Which Jim Rome say it's the best thing and the worst thing ever? Yeah, that's well said. So, listen, I realize this is not a new concept, but it just... I heard a couple of people arguing about a topic and badly... And and then Jack talking to us about the uh, the female engineering professor talking about girls and math and boys and the rest of it. And uh, I don't know. Here it is for you. And it's going to be obvious to some of you, but it's worth keeping in mind, I think. And I'm, I'm always going to I try. I've always tried to keep this in mind, but it, it came together in my head. Information or data about individuals is essential to describing groups. But data about groups is useless for describing individuals, if you know what I mean. You have to figure out how good or interested all the little girls are about math as individuals to assemble the data on little girls in general. But to take the data for little girls in general and say that describes an individual is ridiculous and useless and stereotyping and the rest of it. That can be applied to anything. I remember... You think most people don't automatically think that? I automatically think that. Well, I I know you do. But you don't think most people do? I don't think some people do. Hmm. I don't know. I don't have enough data to know how many people do it. But, (laughs) like, when when everybody went berserk over uh, Charles Murray's early work, The Bell Curve, Mm -hmm. which purported to be looking at average intelligence across the races, et cetera, et cetera, and people went absolutely berserk over it. Um... God, it's been ages since I've read it, um, and I don't know how the data holds up. But and it's minute differences too. Well, right, it's it's absolutely minute differences, and I think if you have any sense and any conscience, if for instance, you take data from all of the dark-skinned people, the black people, if you will, the African Americans, although I hate that term because it's silly. Um, if you take all that data from all of those individuals and you find out that uh, they're, as a mass, their IQ is incrementally lower than Asians, for instance, that's mildly interesting. But never once in my life have I dealt with the entirety of a race. It's always been individuals, some of whom, who are part of that data set, are super geniuses, Who's, at whose knees I'm not worthy to grovel. And anybody with any sense gets that. So why would you be upset if there's some tiny incremental mass, you know, difference in the mass data? It's because you think racists will seize hold of it and make use of it? I guess. I, 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 guess, I, I get that, although they're dumb people, so don't worry about it. What bothers me, and and I'm thinking about this too much, because honestly, politics is the art of frightening or enticing the herd to run in one direction or another. Um, it, it, It bothers me when people deny what may be true because it makes them uncomfortable, because then it becomes impossible to go any further down the road of a discussion, because you're just 
where do I go from here? You're denying data because it makes you uncomfortable. And that's that's one part of the modern world that, that drives me nuts. Well, culture matters more anyway because we've uh, seen the, the stuff about uh, black people from Ni- Nigeria come to this country and do much better than black people that are already here and white people that are already here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, better than practically everybody that's right. already here. Yeah. Um, and then within a generation or two are back to the to the average of uh, Americans that were born here. I think that's because Nigeria produces so many princes who have so many inheritances they want to share with you. They're a very generous people. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, and two. So, uh, oh, the thing that'll get you banned on Twitter, and it should. Here's one we can all agree on. A guy who... Uh, Nutscaping? Who tweeted he'd give five... <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's allowed. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that is allowed? I think oh, so, yeah. Google yeah. it. Uh, let's not get it. Is there it. dirty stuff on Twitter? I've never looked. Oh, yeah. Is there? Yeah. Really? Oh, guaranteed. So Holy there's man. porn on Twitter? Yeah. Whatever porn on Twitter would be. Twitter it's porn? It's exactly it's what you think it is. Porn on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Like links? Uh, videos, like the, the same way that like news clips will be on the thing, like little 30-second videos of... Of hmm. nudity. So, oh, so, so let an, yet another avenue for that for anybody who needs it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you'd have to follow purveyors or pornography and or people who tend to share those links. Yes. Okay. I don't, which is uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's somewhat surprising. Uh, yeah. Twi- I suppose, I suppose <laughs> I you know. totally unaware. This is obviously <laughs> true, but I suppose Twitter's everything, and we all tend to be in our own little worlds of it. Right. Like, I'm in the world of news and politics but I'm sure if you're mostly into sports, you see Twitter as all the sports conversation that's going on. Right. And it's probably true for fashion and porn and everything else. Yeah. It's a little like finding out there's another place I can get Gatorade. <laughs> there are already lots and lots. Practically everywhere. <laughs> I never like am want to if I need a Gatorade, I know where to find it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But now there's a Gatorade in your pocket. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Um, but here's something you can't do on Twitter, and it's not funny. Uh, somebody said, I am broke, but I will scrounge and literally give $500 to anyone who kills an ICE agent. Oh, somebody God. Somebody tweeted. And wow. so the feds show wow. up to your house, and then you're in big trouble, and you get booted off Twitter. So. That Send person, them off to the Armstrong and Getty camp. That's yeah, what I say. Because they just—you're uh, super stupid, right? Treat them with kindness and compassion, food, and medical care, etc. But they can't be among us. What's the uh, if if you are considering a life of crime, you are not bright enough to pull off a life. Of, yeah, there's a yeah. That's true. Right, like ninety-eight percent of the time, if yeah. you are considering a life in crime, that is probably proof you're not smart enough to have one. Yeah, a uh, an FBI agent once shared that bit of wisdom with me. And they would know because they see a lot of people who somebody should have taken them aside at the beginning and said, you're not nearly smart enough to pull this off. Or not even, even close. Even if you successfully rob this bank and get $6,000, what are you going to do with that? What is your, what's your next step? Because that's not going to last you very long. Even if you live frugally, you got like two months there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just what is your plan exactly? Right. So uh, quickly, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but who's Dinesh D'Souza? He is, he's a conservative writer, commentator, filmmaker who's made, in my opinion, some stuff that's very, very good and some stuff that's very, very loopy. Probably shorthand, kind of the alternate side of the coin of like Michael Moore. Yeah. He okay. seems to be kind of occupying that space. I love in, shorthand. In a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love shorthand. Well, that's kind of interesting for the, for the reason I bring this up. So he's got this movie out. What's the actual name of the movie? Death of a Nation. 
Um, and it and, and and it's got all kinds of stuff in there about how the Democrats are like Hitler and Trump's like Lincoln and all that sort of. Joe, stuff. that sounds fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it was meant to be necessarily fair. But neither are a lot of Michael Moore's movies. But Michael Moore's movies probably don't get a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes because all the critics thought it was awful. Right. Because critics, movie critics, lean way left. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about generalizing as a group. That's and and so Dinesh D'Souza makes that point that um, he said this is for a certain audience, but um, if it were politically the other way, it would get rave reviews, even if only a few people on the other side would see it. Mm-hmm. A few people on my side will see this one, and it gets zero on Rotten Tomatoes right. because it goes against what all the movie reviewers think is the right thing to do. Mm. I mean, it sounds pretty crappy to me from but you could make a really crappy if you made a crappy movie saying trump and the in his in his crowd are like hitler you would not get zero from all the movie critics no not a chance even if you got say 20 that would be infinitely higher than zero in fact they would talk about the movie on the today show and say controversial new movie yeah and and, show you clips and discuss it absolutely even if it was terrible but you don't want to come off as a grumbletonian a grumble Tony. That would be a discontented person, one who is always railing at the times. Wait a minute, I'm one of those. Yeah, I'm that's definitely. From, that's I live my life as that. My collection of old-fashioned insults we should bring back, you galumpus. Should we um, get into a little some of the nuts and bolts of the Space Force, since I guess that's actually happening? Yeah, I suppose so. Well, it's, it's begun to be happening. Whether it'll actually happen or not, We'll see. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's got to be a budget for it. And And several presidents in a row would have to say it's a good idea, right? It would take a while to put it together, no doubt. Yeah. And and again, we already have an air force, and space is right next to the air. So a lot of people think maybe that's the way to go. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Math is math. Done properly. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. Monday, you can fall apart. Tuesday, Wednesday, break my heart. Oh, Thursday, doesn't even start. It's Friday, I'm in love. So, um, Firefighter with a 40-year career, starting in the mid-60s, said he's heard this is the worst fire season ever many, many, many times in his career. Mm. Never will let a crisis go to waste. Maybe maybe he'd make the argument that they keep getting worse because of global warming, I guess. I that know. would be actually a logical explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Was it true every time? Yeah, no. right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, a couple of texts from the text line, which is, to me, the best place to get the text. Agreed. Uh, Jack, Carmen Core math was introduced when my daughter was in the third grade at her school after struggling through uh, three months, but I pulled her and my twins from school and started a homeschool. Whew, that's a commitment right there. Yeah, it is. 
Uh, I get it, though. Now she's 12 and halfway through algebra, algebra 2. We take the Texas TAK testing each year and consistently test two grades ahead in math and reading science. I didn't uh, pull my kids out for religious reasons or medical problems or anything other than Common Core is stupid. <coughs> it does. It, it looks like we're going to be homeschooling our youngest, so that you know, there's one advantage. I, we get to decide how the hell he learns whatever, as long as he can meet the state standards at the end of whatever year. The only group nearly as susceptible to crazes and fads as teenagers is educators. Education administrators are like 14-year-olds when it comes to chasing fads and embracing them. It's just ridiculous. Um, On the Space Force, which we still need to talk about, it's a consolidation of all the space-based activities from the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines into a single force. Right. A lot of the stuff we're already doing. Okay, I, right. I hadn't heard that explained that way. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I just, I'm surprised it wouldn't be under the umbrella of the Air Force, but again, you know, what the hell do I know? They use umbrellas in the Air Force? They do, when it rains. Uh, on the D- Dinesh D'Souza movie, I did what I hate when other talk show hosts do. I talked a lot about him and his movies having never seen one at all. Oh, boy. And having no idea what I'm talking oh about. Oh, boy. But, but, yeah. I'm lazy. Well, I'm no, that's not it. I would. I got young kids, and when you have young kids, you see no movies. You see zero movies. Right. That was, that's been my experience with me and my friends. Um, saw the Dinesh D'Souza movie, Death of a Nation, and it was fabulous in all caps, exclamation points, three times. It was such a joy being <laughs> in a like-minded audience. That reminds me, uh, my son, uh, I got a text from, from mom. I handed him the phone. I said, read this. I'm driving, and he, he read it, and he said, you're right. Girls do use a lot of exclamation points. Because <laughs> I told him what you had said. That that's, yes. a, that's a thing. Yes. And uh, he picked up on that immediately. <laughs> uh, that's a good boy have you ever actually seen a fine Dinesh movie they're excellent too deep for your average American moron uh, Dinesh's movie movie captures how Lincoln was elected in the same similar way that Trump was elected the circumstances and time of how it happened oh that's wow wait a minute that's perfectly legitimate now I am intrigued it, god that because Lincoln was elected he with compares a, Democrats to Hitler and right. Trump to Lincoln I hate when people yeah. do that. Well, God, I, did, I hate it. I did that, and it's 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 lazy. It's lazy journalism. It definitely is. Because in what, I'm not a fan of Hitler. In what way did you compare? And using what exactly? If it was height, well, that's perfectly legitimate. Lincoln was elected in a very at a very split time in our country with a small percentage of the overall vote. It's really pretty interesting. You know, in terms of height, Trump is much more like Lincoln, and Hillary was much more like Hitler. <laughs> That's just true, Jack. There's no arguing with that. Right. What? So there you go. I'm telling you. Maybe I'll try to catch that movie on Netflix or something. So listen, I don't, I don't have a, a dog in the uh, the race, the hunt, uh, whatever for the whole Russia inquiry deal. Um, you got Russia's messing with us. I do care about that. You got the collusion thing. I don't think you're going to find anything there because it would have been leaked. But I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. I don't. You know, Boy, I heard some interesting stuff on Rudy's possible strategy last night. Maybe I'll talk to that at some point. Okay. So, but and I'm not sure I'm going to have time, but I'll, I'll lay this out. This is by Byron York, who is a serious journalist and writer. He writes for the Washington who Examiner. Refuses to come on our show for That's some right, reason because he thinks he's better than us. And he because probably is. He is. <laughs> anyway, so this this is unbelievable. Emails in 2016, the election year, between that British former spy, spy, Christopher Steele, and Justice Department official Bruce Orr, whose name has bubbled up a little bit in all Mm -hmm. this stuff, suggests Steele was deeply concerned about the legal status of a Putin-linked Russian oligarch 
At times, he seemed to be advocating on the Russian oligarch's behalf. During the same period, he worked on collecting the Russia-related allegations against Donald Trump that came to be known as the Trump dossier. The PP tape. The emails show Steele and Orr were in frequent contact, that they intermingled talk about Steele's research and the oligarch's affairs, and that Glenn Simpson, another name you may recall, who's the head of that dirt-digging group Fusion GPS, they're an oppo research firm, he was also part of the three-way ongoing conversation. For instance... Uh, it began January when Steele, the spy, sent Orr, working in the Justice Department, New Year's greetings, and he brought up the case of Russian aluminum magnate Oleg Deripaska, often referred to as OD in the emails, who was at the time seeking a visa to attend a, a, a conference. Um, then they, they quote it. Then Steele asked Orr when he might be coming to London or somewhere in Europe, as I would be keen to meet up here and talk business. Or replied warmly the next day, you'd be in Europe uh, at least twice, blah, blah, we'll be able to get together. Then Steele's emailing Orr that our old friend O.D. apparently has been granted another official visa to come to the U.S. As far as I'm concerned, this is good news all around. Although, as before, it would be helpful if you could monitor it and let me know if any complications arise. So it's at least odd that Christopher Steele, who's working with Fusion GPS... To get Russians to give up dirt on Donald Trump is simultaneously talking to a highly placed Justice Department official about making sure this Russian oligarch gets the visas and the help he needs. And the Justice Department guy says, yeah, I'll keep an eye on it for you. Um, and there's more. How much time do we have, Michael? One point, Steele said he's circulating some recent sensitive uh Reporting on Deripaska, OD, that he was not a tool of the Kremlin because he wants that to be his PR. Steele said he would send the reporting to a name that is redacted as he has asked for legal reasons. I understand for all such reporting to be filtered through him to you at the DOJ and others, et cetera, et cetera. Um, As a U.S. citizen, I think the best outcome would be if the Trump people uh, definitely didn't do anything illegal and we can move on with our nation's business and have elections and keep him if we want him and boot him out if we don't. I think that'd be best as an American citizen. As a as a guy who just wants an entertaining TV show, I definitely think there's a chance uh, that that Mueller steps up to the microphone at some point and unleashes some stuff nobody's been talking about. Something like this. Right. That's just like out of the blue. We had no idea any of this was going on. So why is Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele and the Justice Department in a three-way email-a-thon and call-a-thon about helping out this Russian oligarch. Who knows what was going on? Hopefully Mueller does. Yeah. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Stormy Daniels' lawyer, promoter, shaking up the world of politics, and we've got another slice of Kanye and Kimmel coming up. And more of the GPS stuff, too. I've got more. Yeah, if you haven't heard of who it looks like might be running for president, yeah. wow. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. to a law professor coming up because I keep hearing over and over again the the Trump actually talking to Mueller sitting down and answering questions it's will a it perjury happen trap. or won't it it's a perjury trap he's falling into a perjury trap no it's a perjury will it be it is a, he's setting a perjury trap what is a perjury trap how, how does that whole thing work how do you set one up can I catch rabbits with one 
I'd rather have a gopher trap because they're digging up my yard. So we'll talk to this law professor about that on the way. So just a summary of this whole weird multi-polar email and call-a-thon that's being dug up between a Justice Department official, a Russian oligarch, this uh, steel guy, the uh, the former British spy, and Fusion GPS. It seems clear that in an effort to dig up dirt on Trump, the Justice Department was somehow involved and were in bed with Russian oligarchs themselves to one extent or another. And when asked at the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, specifically about it, FBI Director Christopher Wray said, I can't answer any of those questions in this forum. Could we discuss it in a classified setting? There might be more we could say there, he answered. So, uh, well, and Byron York's summary will be mine. The newly released Orr Steele Simpson emails are just one part of the dossier story. But if nothing else, they show that there is still much for the public to learn about the complex and far-reaching effort behind it. There is a lot that could be going on, including stuff we've heard nothing about. Right. Wow. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, on the fire lines, we've got the uh, latest updates. California's Governor Jerry Brown declaring a state of emergency for areas that have been impacted by the Holy Fire. you got 20,000 people in the Lake Elsinore area evacuated. And at last report, they're saying it's burned more than 10,000 acres, only 5% contained. The Mendocino Complex fire of twin fires burning side by side, now 60% contained. But they're saying it's not going to be fully contained until September. And the car fire, that's the one near Reading, 180,000 acres, 51% contained, eight people, including three firefighters, killed. And more than 1,000 homes destroyed. And as Jack was mentioning earlier, boy, once these fires are out, then the next lengthy chapter begins. That's going to be rebuilding. That's going to be tough. Stormy Daniels' lawyer and promoter is making a foray into Iowa, a state that's proving ground for presidential hopefuls. Michael Avenatti toured the Iowa State Fair and is set to appear at the Democratic Wingding in Clear Lake later today. A wingding! Boy, and nobody appreciates a porn carnival barker more than the people of Iowa. (laughs) Well, uh, people figured out uh, years ago (laughs) that you can run for president. They will put you on the stage in the debates. Yep. You will uh, you will get a lot of attention so that you can have a book or a cable TV show in the future with no idea that you're ever going to win. See Al Sharpton, sure, uh, and possibly Donald Trump. I, I, I don't. I, we'll never know how serious, uh, how far he thought he was actually going to get. But anyway, uh, you, you can do that. So I mean, he can announce yep. he's going to run, and he will be on the debate stage with all these right. other people and get just as much airtime. Willie, if he wants to, Avenatti. will he? Something needs to be done. Avenatti saying he hasn't formally thrown his hat into the 2020 ring yet, but he is seriously considering it. I'm worried about the Democratic Party nominating somebody that cannot be competitive against and beat Donald Trump in 2020. And that is the number one question that the party has to ask is, can this nominee, potential nominee, beat Donald Trump? There you go. So instead of the various senators and governors that have been trotted out, a porn carnival barker. <laughs> All right. Chipotle is working really hard to build up their customer base in an attempt to make up for sales that were lost after a number of recent health scares. Ah, 
like, what are you going to do? So now some locations... People ate your food and they got sick. Nah, people get sick all the time. Sure. So now some locations... Pork <laughs> is usually not skanky. Some of their locations in Orange County, California, are going to be offering apple wood smoked bacon starting Ooh. next month. If that works out, tests are expected Sorry, to Sorry, we expand. almost killed you. Here's some bacon. The tests are expected, or trials are expected to expand to other cities around the country. I, by the way, love Chipotle, and we'd eat one of their burritos right now. Heck no, yeah! And obviously with no worry whatsoever. Love it! Fine establishment. Patronize them today. Kanye West, not afraid to speak his mind on just about anything. He had a lengthy appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live last night, and they touched on numerous topics, including this. Do you feel like your attitude towards women has changed since having daughters? Nah, I still look at Pornhub and... <laughs> what kind of stuff do you look at? What categories? Oh, wait a minute. Blacked is my favorite category. Uh, you don't have to go into that. Jimmy, well, you can if you want. But okay, I mean, what's the point of being Kanye West if you can't? Let's break down the yeah, porn categories. Go oh, good. I'm glad you faded out. Has, this is too pornographic a newscast. Has he seen his wife porn? His wife's porn because she, that's how she became famous, right? Yeah. Was in a porn? Almost certainly he has. <laughs> you know, he did he need to? I mean, probably knows what it looks like. Huh. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. Well, how how many of us have seen our wives a video of our wives having sex with another guy? I'm thinking not many of us. Durr. Would you watch it if it were available? Yee. So I think that's kind of an interesting question, actually. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I'll grant you that. <laughs> I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Coming up, a professor and director of the Center for Law and Ethics and Dean Circle Scholar at the University of San Francisco Law School to answer the question, what is a perjury trap? Are you in danger? Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds, sounds nefarious, is it? Is it, something, is it something nefarious? Who's doing the wrong here? The person answering the questions or the person asking the questions mm, in a perjury trap? I hear you talking. Stay tuned, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. With a started out. So I keep hearing this over and over again, right? Uh, the the argument back and forth will Trump sit down and answer questions with Mueller, and then somebody always uses the term perjury trap. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, who's making the rounds, it, it would seem in support of Trump. I think he says it's in support of liberal values, but he keeps saying, "Don't do it." It's a perjury trap. What the heck is a perjury trap? It seems to me like as a non-lawyer, just. As long as I answer questions honestly, I'm fine. You fool. If I haven't done anything wrong and I answer questions honestly, how could I get in trouble? You fool. I advise you not to speak to anybody until we've spoken. <laughs> With Joshua P. Davis. Josh Davis is a professor, director of the Center for Law and Ethics, and Dean Circle Scholar at the University of San Francisco Law School, and he joins us now. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks hey, so much for having me on the show. Well, uh, you're a busy man. We appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us. How's this whole perjury trap thing work? Um, well, in general, in litigation, and, and you know, there's really two levels on which this whole thing is happening. There's litigation, and then there's politics. So right. just talking about litigation. Sure. 
uh, on the litigation level, uh, lawyers basically never want their clients to speak unless they have to. Uh, anything you say is a commitment. And litigation is a little bit like two heavyweight boxers or, or mixed martial arts, arts artists fighting. The first one to commit is vulnerable. As soon as you lay into a punch, the other side can duck and hit you harder because they know where you are. So that's the first rule. You just don't want your client to commit to any position. Um, it's particularly dangerous here because uh, making a misrepresentation, a false statement to a federal agent is itself a crime. And, um, you know, even people who are well-meaning have faulty memories, right? They, they make mistakes, their inconsistencies, their errors, their incorrect recollections. There's normal ways we lie to ourselves so that we feel right. better about ourselves. And in fact, the more you study human memory, the more terrifying it is. Absolutely. But, but Absolutely. How, how nitpicky is it if I say, yeah, it was uh, in August, I, 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 I went to blank, and it turns out it was, you know, late July I went. Is that then lying to a to a Fed and I'm in trouble, even though I, I I'm uh, just wrong? Well, probably not. I mean, just so simple errors that okay. can then later be corrected. That's you know, there's an intent requirement. It's not going to. But so there's some is like, intent. There is some intent involved. Okay. Yeah, and and but saying I didn't know about the meeting, and then later being confronted with evidence that some say a jury or the Senate believes that you did know about a meeting. That's when you start to get in real trouble. But that doesn't seem like a trap. You lied. (laughs) No, 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 no. I got to jump in here. That happens to either me or you on at least a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. We're meeting with that client Thursday. We are? Yeah, don't you remember? They told us when we were walking through the hall, blah, blah. I have no memory of that. That happens to us all the time. But there's no intent there. Yes, that's right. There's no intent there, although you couldn't prove there's no intent. Right, yeah. That's the tricky thing, right, is that one of the things that, uh, that lawyers, investigators are so good at is they can then, once you've committed, they can bring out a lot of evidence. And, you know, at, at the same time that we have faulty memories, there's also a lot of evidence that we all think we remember things better than we did. 2020 hindsight, right? right? And so uh, when you put it out starkly before whoever's assessing this thing, judge, jury, House, the Senate, it can look really ugly. Um, and so, you know, from a lawyer's perspective, the last thing in the world you want you to do is have your client go in and, under penalty of perjury, start talking. Well, and Josh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with my credentials. This is Joe Getty speaking, but I almost went to law school. I've, <laughs> I actually filled out some of the forms. Um, so, <laughs> so you're basically a lawyer. That's yeah, right. weighing, uh, you know, leaning on that expertise, I'd like to point out that if the charge in question is obstruction of justice, which can be a little bit wishy-washy, particularly for the chief of the executive <laughs> branch who gets to hire and fire people. I mean, if you're in a fairly wishy-washy inquiry into a wishy-washy charge, then I think there's enormous danger for your client. I I would think so. I mean, you know, what's tricky here also is, I mean, I'm going to tell you something that as an almost lawyer, you probably already know, Mm. but uh, politicians have a habit of not always telling the unadulterated truth anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Politicians lie to the press and, uh, and and to the public all the time, so I don't know how that fits into everything. Well, one way it fits in is I think, you know, without, without taking a position on Trump, I do think he um, he's a politician, among other things, right? And, and he sort of talks to his audience, 
and he emphasizes certain things, and maybe he gets carried away. Maybe you think he's cynical. Maybe he's just overly enthusiastic. Maybe he makes S up. <laughs> maybe he does. Maybe yes. he does. Maybe he does it often, right. right? And so, and he doesn't seem, he seems to play to his audience, right? I mean, it's one of his great strengths is he mm-hmm. seems to read an audience. It's one of his great weaknesses. And so if you're going, so, so beyond the don't say anything rule, if you are going to have to talk in this sort of circumstance, what you want is, I mean, you know, anytime you're representing a client and they're being investigated under, uh, they're being questioned under oath, there's, there's some rules you want to have in place, like give the shortest possible truthful statement. Tell the truth, but the shortest possible truthful statement. Show great discipline. Don't try to persuade the person who's questioning you, though they'll seem like they could be persuaded. Mm, and from that perspective, one. Trump's a nightmare client. Right. I mean, he's he's shortest possible truthful statement. That's out the window. Great discipline. That's out the window. Although we don't we don't know what he's like behind closed doors. I mean, this isn't his first rodeo when it comes to, uh, you know, sitting down and being questioned over a complicated thing. Yeah, he's been deposed many times. They that's say. True. I that's, wonder if yeah, there's a another, I never have. So, yeah. I mean, it'd be completely new to me. It wouldn't be new to him. Yeah, that's true and fair. My, my sense is from my experience um, that uh, lay people often feel like. People have very different personalities in life and then at deposition. And my experience is they, they all kind of regress to form. If you're a talker, if you're a, if you're a persuader, if you're a, you know, I can, I can talk my way out of anything, man, is it hard well, to he's, get someone he's, to follow these rules. Yeah, he's definitely that. Have you ever employed a shock collar or a compliance belt <laughs> on a client? <laughs> I, I, uh, we, you know, anyone who's, who's been at deposition defending a client has wanted to, for sure. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not entirely proper, but sometimes you do step on someone's toe inadvertently or something like yeah, that. Um, uh, <laughs> so if, if, if Mueller says, look, you've got to answer questions, how do you think the, the the courts would rule on that? Does the president have to answer his questions? Because that, is, that, is, uh, that has never been settled, has it? It has, uh, it has not. Most of the big issues here have not really been settled. And, and you know, frankly, I, I'm not a believer that the courts are always political, but when it comes to a situation like this... It'd be hard um, not to be. It'd be really hard. It would really be Clinton, very Clinton hard gave in. Be. I mean, he refused to answer questions initially, and then I don't know if he thought he would lose or thought it would look bad politically, but he eventually gave in and answered the questions. He might have had a little bit of the, I think I can persuade them also, because he was, yeah, he had some game. Right. Yeah. And I, that's really, I mean, I think that's what's driving Trump as well. I mean, whether, whether he could be successfully subpoenaed is an open question. Whether he could be indicted and prosecuted in ordinary court of law as a sitting president is an open question. I, I don't, I haven't studied that carefully enough uh, to know, but I think ultimately it's very likely to be political. Yeah, um, yeah, and, I can see that. But the best strategy, I would think, and the one that his lawyers seem to be advocating, which makes sense to me, is don't go until you're forced to go. Um, because again, the heavyweight fighter analogy, don't, you know, save your power, let the other, make the other side commit first and then do the least you have to do. And, um, uh, but he, you know, Trump's also worried about the politics and it just, it may not look good. I assume yeah. he, he feels like it doesn't look good. If, if he, he gets forced, yeah. it makes him look weak. No, no doubt about it. Um, or weaker, I think. Josh Davis is a professor director of the Center for Law and Ethics and Dean Circle Scholar at the University of San Francisco Law School. There's some talk about whether he sits down and answers questions verbally or gets to submit written answers. Is there any reason why we don't do written answers all the time? Wouldn't that be more fair all the way around? Well, there's a really good reason. If they're written answers, they're done by the lawyers, and you don't really you don't get any of the advantages of what the witness actually 
knows and says, right? I mean, there's a sense that um, if you're giving written answers and the lawyers are doing it, that process is so manipulated, manipulated it's almost worthless. I mean, there, there mm-hmm. is a way to do that, especially in civil litigation. They're called interrogatories. But um, other than in very specialized circumstances, because the lawyers draft them, they're incredibly unenlightening. Yeah, I can see that. Just It just seems so unfair, especially depending on your personality type. Some people would really not do well verbally oh, right. in a situation yeah. like that, whether they're guilty or innocent. That's true. I think that's true. On the other hand, you are anticipating, not, maybe not here, but ordinarily trial. And so you're finding out what's this person actually going to say when they take the stand. Because mm. ultimately, at trial, they have to talk. You know, no one's going right. to be reading out, limit, be limited to reading out answers, written answers to written questions. Right. So abandoning your awesome credentials and just uh, as a guy and an observer of the, uh, the body politic, do you think you'll uh, talk to Mueller, the president? That's a great question. I, if I had to guess, I don't think he's going to be able to help himself. I think he's going to. This is my favorite conversation I've heard on this topic. You are great. Oh, we, we've got to stay in touch with you because you're really good. Oh, thank you very much. And as a guy who almost attended Duke Law, Northwestern Duke. Law, and USC Law, that's, that's I'm that's impressed, sir, by your good. analysis. <laughs> yes, uh, Josh, hey, great to talk to you. Thanks great. a million. Sure, my pleasure. Boy, how great. good was he? Oh, terrific. He terrific. was the perfect guy to talk about this from here on out. Hanson. Whenever these questions come up. Yep. Yeah, Hanson got this guy. Yeah. Those are some very impressive schools you considered going to if you oh. went to law school. Thank you. I don't like to <laughs> brag. I don't like to drop it in conversation a lot, but yeah. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.